<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Jack Dorsey puts his money to work for coronavirus relief. More details on that Airbnb lifeline raise. Details on an interesting telemedicine raise. Netflix has increased parental controls. Google is pushing a mandatory new setup for Android development. And why the desktop web is back, if only for the time being anyway. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Jack Dorsey announced last night that he is moving $1 billion worth of the Square equity that he owns, or around 28% of his personal wealth, to an LLC called Start Small, which will initially fund COVID-19 relief, and once this crisis has passed, will turn its efforts to focus on girls' health and education, as well as universal basic income efforts. He also announced that the operations will all be out in the open and transparent, quoting Jack's tweet storm. Grants will be made from Start Small Foundation or the LLC directly based on the beneficiary org. All transfers, sales, and grants will be made public in tracking sheet. Why the transparency? It's important to show my work so I and others can learn. I've discovered and funded around $40 million worth of many orgs with proven impact and efficiency in the past, mostly anonymously. Going forward, all grants will be public. Suggestions welcome. Drop your cash app, smiley face. Why pull just from Square and not Twitter? Simple. I own a lot more Square and I'll need to pace the sales over some time. The impact this money will have should benefit both companies over the long term because it's helping the people we want to serve. Why now? The needs are increasingly urgent, and I want to see the impact in my lifetime. I hope this inspires others to do something similar. Life is too short. Let's do everything we can today to help people now." End quote. This, of course, drew widespread appreciation and support from across the political, tech, and business spectrum. Mike Bloomberg, for example, tweeted, For as long as I've known him, Jack has been committed to giving back and helping others, and this is a powerful testament to that. And Josh Marshall tweeted, quote, Curious to see how this plays out in practice, but if that number bears out, that puts basically every other plutocrat to shame. And I think he's only a minor billionaire? So apparently he's worth $3.3 billion. Certainly plenty to go around, but isn't Bezos worth over $100 billion? And he contributed $100 million, I think, end quote. And indeed, that last bit is what I find so impressive about this. Lots of wealthy people have been making headline-grabbing donations recently, even in the nine-figure range. But a lot of snark inevitably rose up when that happened to be like, yeah, that person only contributed the equivalent of what you or I could find in the form of loose change in our couch cushions. Not only is Jack's commitment in the 10-figure range, but he cut that sort of criticism off at the knees by pledging, checking my notes here, more than a quarter of his personal wealth. Not that anyone needs me to say it, but very aggressive, very impressive. Kudos to you, Jack. Jack. 
Quick follow-up on that Airbnb funding round from yesterday. Sources are telling the Wall Street Journal that Airbnb is actually paying more than 10% interest on the largely debt round. Actually, sources are saying around 11 to 12% interest. Also, investors were apparently offered free stock warrants in the company based on a valuation of Airbnb at around $18 billion, which would be almost half of its peak valuation. I said yesterday this might be a a good deal for Airbnb, at least well-timed, but I never said it wasn't a strict deal, quoting the Wall Street Journal. The investors have also extracted verbal commitments from the company to reduce significantly its fixed costs and to strengthen its management adding at least one new executive to support Chief Executive Brian Chesky, the people said. However, the management change is part of a verbal agreement rather than being baked into the terms of the deal, one of the people added, end quote. And Bloomberg is reporting that Airbnb has held talks around raising an additional $500 million to $1 billion in additional debt. Quote, raising second lien debt means that Airbnb has room to take on more senior debt, which it is considering. The company could also raise a convertible note or equity instead, the people said. As the home-sharing company raises debt, it is canceling a $1 billion credit facility with several banks that is administered by Bank of America. Those banks include Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, both of which advised on the Silver Lake 6th Street transaction, one of the people said. A representative for Bank of America declined to comment, end quote. Zoom has given a progress report on its efforts around privacy and security. Zoom says it has appointed a CISO council and an advisory board. Also, it is bringing in former Facebook security chief Alex Stamos as an outside advisor. Quoting the post by Zoom founder Eric Yuan, Within our CISO council, we are establishing an advisory board that will include a subset of CISOs who will act as advisors to me personally. This group will enable me to be a more effective and thoughtful leader and will help ensure that privacy and security are at the forefront of everything we do at Zoom. The initial members of our advisory board will include security leaders from VMware, Netflix, Uber, Electronic Arts, and others. One of the important commitments under our 90-day plan is to conduct a comprehensive security review of our platform, and third-party experts will be critical to this effort. To that end, Alex Stamos has joined Zoom as an outside advisor. We are thrilled to have Alex on board. He is a fan of our platform and will no doubt help us implement controls and practices that are best in class, end quote. New parental safeguards from Netflix. Netflix is now letting parents remove specific titles and filter shows out of their queues based on the show's ratings in both the designated kids portal and inside the general section of Netflix itself, quoting The Verge. The biggest addition is the ability to remove an individual TV series or movie by title. Think of it like a search filter. If a movie like The Matrix is listed as inappropriate for a child user, it won't appear at all on that profile account. Netflix is also making it so that parents can filter out titles based on the rating. If they want to keep everything G-rating friendly, Netflix's new tool will make that possible. Other updates to parental controls include adding pins to protect profiles, the ability to review a child's viewing history, and disabling autoplay on TV shows in kids' profiles if parents want to restrict screen time. Quote, choice and control have always been important for our members, especially parents, Michelle Parsons, kids' product manager at Netflix, wrote in a blog post. We hope that these additional controls will help parents make the right choices for their families, end quote. 
Netflix is one of the biggest providers of children's entertainment. Roughly 60% of Netflix's entire subscriber base watches family and children-specific content. Melissa Cobb, Netflix animation chief, told the New York Times back in 2019, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mack Weldon clothing. Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their air-knit underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak Polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer. Their Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. According to XDA developers, Google will require a virtual A-B partition setup on new Android 11 devices, thereby paving the way for simpler and seamless background updates, similar to how updates currently work on Chrome OS. Quoting XDA developers, By forcing the adoption of virtual A-B partitions on newly launched devices, they've all but assured that OEMs will have to support seamless updates for their late 2020 and 2021 devices. As spotted by XDA-recognized developer Luca020400, a software engineer at Google on the Project Treble team, submitted a commit to the AOSP Jarrett titled Require Virtual AB on R Launches. The commit updates the Vendor Test Suite, or VTS, which is an automated test that all devices must pass to be considered compatible with Project Treble. The new test checks if the system property row.virtualab.enabled is set to true, and if row.virtualab.retrofit is set to false on devices with a shipping API level of 30 or higher. In other words, 
This test checks if a device launching with Android 11 or higher supports virtual AB partitions. Virtual AB partitions were introduced with Android 10 alongside dynamic partitions, which are dynamically resizable partitions. They're the same concept as regular AB partitions, except they can be freely resized. If a device that launches with Android 11 does not support virtual AB partitions, then it will fail VTS. If the device fails VTS, then it cannot ship with Google Mobile services. In other words, Google has effectively made it required for OEMs to support virtual AB partitions and, by extension, seamless updates. This commit has not yet been merged, but we'll keep an eye out on it for further developments." End quote. Microsoft has announced that it is pausing all new hires, except in some strategic areas, citing uncertainty due to the global pandemic. According to sources, the company is including Azure in that strategic category and is still hiring for Azure teams, quoting Business Insider. According to employees who spoke with Business Insider, Microsoft is still hiring for roles within its massive cloud computing business, and the company was holding virtual hiring events for software engineers as recently as last week. Some groups, one employee said, are, quote, prioritizing consumer-facing and critical roles, end quote. Microsoft has also announced that it will make all, repeat, all of its events digital until at least July 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. tiny nugget of data that surprised me, but makes total sense now that I've actually heard it. According to data from SimilarWeb and Aptopia in our new quarantined world, Americans are increasingly using online platforms on traditional computers instead of on smartphones. Again, that makes sense. To quote that popular GIF, you know the one, the tapping your head one, can't do mobile web if the population isn't mobile. Quoting the New York Times, Now that we are spending our days at home with computers close at hand, Americans appear to be remembering how unpleasant it can be to squint at those little phone screens. Facebook, Netflix, and YouTube have all seen their numbers on their phone apps stagnate or fall off as their websites have grown, the data from SimilarWeb and Aptopia indicates. SimilarWeb and Aptopia both draw their traffic numbers from several independent sources to create data that can be compared across the internet, end quote. So I guess for the time being, at least, the desktop web is back, baby. And as yet another illustration of how fast things are changing in this current environment, I point you to Toast, a cloud-based restaurant management software provider which was going gangbusters recently, even raising $400 million at a $4.9 billion valuation just this past February. Welp. Toast just announced that it was cutting around 50% of its staff through layoffs and furloughs, and also reducing executive pay, bonuses, and freezing hiring. Quoting TechCrunch, The company's flagship product helps restaurants process payments and handle orders through a mix of hardware and software. Think handheld ordering pads, self-service kiosks, and display systems for kitchens. It also connects businesses to food delivery services like Grubhub. Toast sits on the bridge between two industries in the spotlight, for better or worse, restaurants and fintech. But restaurants have been hit hard as eateries were forced to close down due to state mandates or to simply promote social distancing. And as a result, fintech companies that help restaurants work better and depend on foot traffic are seeing less transaction volume as well, end quote. 
But in an interesting raise that's interesting for these times, Taito Care is a New York City-based telehealth startup that sells an in-home kit to help doctors remotely diagnose patients. Taito Care has raised a $50 million round led by Insight Partners. Quoting VentureBeat, Founded in 2012, Taito Care has developed a handheld exam kit that anyone can buy. The accompanying mobile app and clinician dashboard connects the patient with healthcare professionals to receive a diagnosis, treatment plan, and prescriptions all without leaving their home. Taito Care Kit is available for $300 from Best Buy in the U.S. or from Taito Care's private health system partners in several countries, including the U.K., Canada, Spain, France, Switzerland, Russia, Israel, Thailand, and Uruguay. With Taito, a healthcare provider can examine the patient's lungs, heart, throat, ears, skin, abdomen, and body temperature. This can help diagnose all manner of conditions, including ear infections, allergies, coughs, and respiratory issues, cold and flu, fevers, and more. The kit bundle includes everything required for these assessments, including an otoscope for ear inspections and a stethoscope for heart, lungs, and abdomen. In addition to the money it makes from selling hardware, TitoCare's business is built around a -a software-as-a-service model with healthcare systems paying a fee to use the company's platform, end quote. And finally, more numbers about changing behavior in a lockdown world. Google says that G Suite now has 6 million paying businesses, up from 5 million in February of 2019. Although maybe that's just normal growth. On the other hand, Google also says that Meet, its teleconferencing tool, is adding 2 million new users each day and logged 2 billion minutes of video calls in March, with daily usage up 25x from January. Just don't let it hijack your Google accounts logins like it did with me. Still haven't gotten that one fixed. But please make note of the fact that I referred to the product in question as Meet. I'm sorry, Googlers, but I can't resist this. Quoting 9to5Google. Just today, yes, we religiously track changes like this, Google itself dropped the Hangouts Meet name in favor of Google Meet on its support landing page. Yesterday, Google's support docs called it Hangouts Meet. Today, it's Google Meet. This is not the first sign we've had that Google would begin moving away from the Hangouts name for its Meet product. It has long been referred to as just Meet in shorthand in Google's blog posts. The CEO of Google Cloud has called it Google Meet on the record, and Google CEO Sundar Pichai has recently called it just Meet after previously calling it Hangouts Meet. Notably, it seems to be colloquially referred to as Google Meet just about everywhere. That's not the official Hangouts Meet G Suite page. If you search Google Meet on Twitter, you'll almost find more tweets and posts about the video conferencing tool for Teams than its official name, Hangouts Meet, end quote. I mean, guys, you have no idea how many times I had to re-record that just because it's impossible to keep track of all the naming conventions, even when you're reading from an actual script. As people start telling people to Zoom them more and more... As Stefan Hall tweeted, quote, There's an alternative reality right now where it's Google's video calling service that is earning verb status in pop culture instead of Zoom, end quote. Going out to the grocery store for the first time in about a month after I get done here today. I'm masking up, of course, but wish me luck, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.